0: Okay, got it. Ready? Mm-mm.
1: You're listening to Paul Elmore. Paul Elmore.
2: <laughs> by the end of this series, you will no longer be limited by the toxic stories you've been telling yourself, and you'll know exactly how to do that thing that's been scaring the crap out of you. That's what I promise. By the end of the series, you'll no longer be limited by the toxic stories you tell yourself, and you'll know exactly how to do that thing that's been scaring the the crap out of you. We're working on the second half of that equation tonight. The how. Because the how is always the hardest. It's always easy to know where you want to go. You can look at the brochure, you can go online, you can say, hey, this looks pretty good, that sounds great. How are we going to get there? In fact, a lot of people, a lot of people go, if I don't know how we're going to get there, I'm not even allowed to dream about where I want to go. I see that all the time in my office. It's like, what do you want to have your life become? What do you want to do? What kind of job do you want to get? What kind of relationship do you want to be in? What kind of financial status do you want to have? Where, where do you want to live? What kind of car do you want to drive? And they're going, well, I don't know how I'm going to do all of that, so I guess I'm going to s- just stick with what I got. No, 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 no. You're allowed to read the brochure even if you have no idea how you're going to get there. I always talk about. I've never been to Hawaii I'm told it's kind of a nice place um, sounds great well actually in April next year my wife and I are gonna be our, celebrating our 25th wedding anniversary and we're already scheduling and planning to go on a cruise somewhere where it's sunny and warm probably Caribbean sort of kind of thing we are excited we are anticipating we are looking forward to it we are looking at websites we're looking at destinations we're looking at west caribbean east caribbean we've never been there we have no idea if anyone has any hints or you know little plugs or a travel agent come up and talk to me afterwards um but even if we don't know how we're doing it yet we are dreaming and we are loving dreaming we're loving counting down we're loving having a good time so if you're still not sure how you're going to do that thing that's been scaring the crap out of you today is what we're going to kind of do everything we can to to get that obstacle out of the way tracking with me so far wonderful let me get apparently there's a button here that works and hey there it is um how does this happen that's the big question and here's the answer i'm not even gonna make you wait here's the answer how to make it happen we need strangers on our side who do not have preconceived opinions or limiting attitudes about us. We need strangers on our side who do not have preconceived opinions or limiting attitudes about us. During the first day of an introductory speech class, the teacher was going around the room having the students introduce themselves. Each student was to respond to the question, what do I like about myself, and what don't I like about myself? Nearly hiding at the back of the room was Dorothy. Her long, red hair hung down around her face, almost obscuring it from view. When it was Dorothy's turn to introduce herself, there was only silence in the room. Thinking perhaps she had not heard the question, The teacher moved his chair over near hers and gently repeated the question. Again, there was only silence. Finally, with a deep sigh, Dorothy sat up in her chair, pulled back her hair, and in the process revealed her face. Covering nearly all of one side of her face was a large, irregular-shaped birthmark, nearly as red as her hair. That, she said, should show you what I don't like about myself. Moved with compassion, this godly professor leaned over and gave her a hug and then he kissed her on her cheek where the birthmark was and said, that's okay, honey. God and I still think you are beautiful. Dorothy cried uncontrollably for almost 20 minutes. Soon other students had gathered around her and were offering their comfort as well. When she finally could talk, as she dabbed the tears from her eyes, she said to the professor, I've wanted so much for someone to hug me and to say what you said. Why couldn't my parents do that? My mother won't even touch my face. We need strangers on our side who do not have preconceived opinions or limiting attitudes about us. If you want to change if you want to overcome a limiting belief if you want to change the script that's automatically playing in your head over and over and over again you've got to get connected to another human being who doesn't believe the stuff in your head that's where we're going that's the power in this now tonight we're actually going to talk about three ways that we change okay there's three ways Number one is we have to stop accepting the myth of giftedness. Number two, we have to learn to admit you're wrong. Yay, that sounds great. And again, another favorite thing we all love to do. Yep, I'm wrong. I didn't get that one right. And then finally, number three, you got to find the guide. You got to find the person who doesn't have the limiting belief like you do. Okay? We're going to go through these one at a time with the. Um, Culmination at that third one, which is the most important one. So number one stop accepting the myth of giftedness What in the world is the myth of giftedness? How does that get in the way of of our of changing our limiting beliefs? For years the Olympic swimmer Michael Phelps guys heard of him? For years before the Olympic, for years before the Olympic swimmer, Michael Phelps won the gold at the 2008 Beijing Olympics, he followed the same routine at every race. He arrived two hours early. He stretched and loosened up according to a precise pattern. 800 mixer, 50 freestyle, 600 kicking with kickboard, 400 pulling a buoy, and more. After the warm-up, he would dry off. He put in his earphones and sit, never lie down, on the massage table. From that moment, he and his coach, Bob Bowman, wouldn't speak a word to each other until after the race was over. At 45 minutes before the race, he would put on his race suit. At 35 minutes, he would get into the warm-up pool and do 600 to 800 meters. With 10 minutes to go, he would walk to his ready walk to the ready room. He would find a seat alone, never next to anyone. He liked to keep the seats on both sides of him clear for his things. Goggles on one side, his towel on the other. When the race was called, when his race was called, he would walk to the blocks. There he would do what he always did. Two stretches, first a straight leg stretch and then a bent knee. Left leg first every time, then the right earbud would come out. When his name was called, he would take out the left earbud. He would step onto the block always from the left side he would dry the block every time then he would stand and flap his arms in such a way that his hands hit his back you guys are familiar with that kind of flap thing he did phelps explained it's just a routine it's my routine it's the routine i've gone through my whole life i'm not going to change it and that is that his coach bob bowman designed this physical routine with phelps but that's not all he also gave phelps a routine For what to think about as he went to sleep and first thing when he awoke. He called it watching the videotape. There was no actual tape, of course. The tape was a visualization of the perfect race. In exquisite detail and slow motion, Phelps would visualize every moment from his starting position on top of the blocks through each stroke until he emerged from the pool victorious with water dripping down his face. Phelps didn't do this mental routine occasionally. He did it every day before he went to bed and every day when he woke up. For years. When Bob wanted to challenge him in practice, he would shout, put in the videotape, and Phelps would push beyond his limits. Eventually, the mental routine was so deeply ingrained that Bob barely had to whisper the phrase, get the videotape ready before a race. Phelps was already ready, always ready to hit play. When asked about the routine Bowman said if you were to ask Michael what's going on in his head before competition He would say he's not really thinking about anything. He's just following the program But that's not right. It's more like his habits have taken over when the race arrives He's more than halfway through his plan and he's been victorious at every step All the stretches went like planned All warm-up laps were just as he visualized. His headphones were playing exactly what he expected. The actual race is just another step in a pattern that started earlier that day and has been nothing but victories. Winning is a natural extension. We all know Phelps won uh, the record eight gold medals at the 2008 Beijing Olympics. When visiting Beijing years after Phelps' breathtaking accomplishment, I couldn't help... But think about how Phelps and the other Olympians make all these feats of amazing athleticism seem so effortless. Of course, Olympic athletes arguably practice longer and train harder than any other athletes in the world. But when they get in that pool or on that track or onto that rink, they make it look positively easy. It's more than just a natural extension of their training. It's a testament to the genius of the right routine. We've heard it over and over and over again. I don't, well, I've heard it again. I listen to a lot of podcasts. It's a statement that after 15 years of struggling, I became an overnight success. You ever heard that one? You, the people that you see or you hear these great success, in fact, there's a great podcast right now for those who enjoy business stuff or for those who like really being encouraged by other people's screw-ups, me. Uh, it's called How I Built This. Um, it is superb, Superb! It's a, a, a podcast. Um, the same guy who hosts TED Radio Hour, which is uh, Guy Razdall. Is that his name? No, no, no. He's from in the other NPR. What, what's his name? Guy Roz, Thank you. Uh, he hosts this, and it's, this, it's the origin stories of all, all the big names: Lyft and Airbnb and uh, Southwest Airlines and Virgin Airlines. It's all the big companies that right now we're going. Well, of course they're awesome. I mean, that's how they just work. This is all the behind the scenes of when they are going broke and when the walls are falling down around them and when people are trying to take over. And it's the struggle and it's the fight and it's the battle and it's it's the war that happened. We have this belief, we have this limiting belief that if I'm not gifted in it, I'll never be good at it. And that simply is not true. We like to believe or we want to believe what I call the easy way of the savant. You guys know what a savant is? Savant is someone who actually, their brain is is mechanically wired differently. That's kind of the rain man um, persona that you see in movies. Um, it's Goodwill Hunting. Remember Will Hunting in, in that movie where he's the janitor, but he's this mathematician savant and he can do all sorts of crazy things without any training. We love that story and it makes really, really good movies. But in real reality, those aren't the people who are changing the world. It's the Michael Phelps who are getting up. And I actually read some other stuff on him. He goes to the pool. He went to the pool now that he's not racing competitively much anymore, but he went to the pool seven days a week. Most other people who are training would only do five or six and they take a day off. He was in there seven days a week. He did the math and he had like Thousands of hours more than anybody else doing the same routine over and over. Greatness, change, getting good at anything requires struggle, repetition, trial and error, making mistakes. There is no myth of the giftedness. It'd be nice. Man, I'd love to have it. It would be a lot easier. In reality, life is more like this guy. Who's that? A lot of people don't know him, do they? Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett. Um, Really nice guy, I'm told. You know how much he's worth? $73 billion. $73 billion. For those who, again, are math challenged like I am, $100 million dollars. 200 300 400 500 million seven, eight, 900 million dollars 900 and million dollars plus 1 million is 1 billion so do that 73 times he's got a lot of money let's just put it that way but here's what's wonderful about warren buffett and it's just great um, he's currently worth 73 billion dollars but as a kid he went to the local library and read every book on investing he he was curious about it but he wasn't gifted in it do you hear that he wasn't he wasn't he's not a savant but he read and read and read and read and read principles from him you start small he bought his first stock at age 11 and he filed taxes at age 13 he filed taxes because he bought some stocks okay Um, and then sold them but you've got to start small if you're going to make a change if you're challenging these limiting beliefs if you want to do something different it's hard to say let's just pick an example i'm working this job and i really really hate this job i really think i want to be a ceo of a multi-million dollar company it might be a big stretch for the seven weeks that we're doing this week believe me if if, if i could promise that We'd sign a contract about, about um, some re- remuneration and that, but start small. You might got to get from this job to the next job, and then from that job to the next job, and from that one to the next one until you work your way up to it. You have to start small, just like Mr. 73 billion dollars, okay? Um, values and integrity. He's actually considered one of the most respected businessmen out there. He's uncompromising. He's not flashy. He, he does not need to have the limelight, even though he is truly sought out after. Um, he, he operates off of values and integrity. So as you're challenging these things, you're not allowed to take shortcuts and go, if I just kind of compromise my values here, I can get further ahead. That might be true in the short run, but it will bite you in the butt every single time. Every single time. Um. Early experiences early experiences do shape us that's why a lot of you are here right now because the painful early experiences you had are still running your life but that means positive early experiences can still have an impact on your life and if it's past that for you that's okay you can still learn it but you go back and you learn what did I learn in these early positive childhood experiences what can I take away so that I can rewrite my story do you remember the assignment from last week We we take facts, the facts of, if I were to write a tragedy, here's the facts of my story, and at the end, it's not a a good ending, or I can take facts from my story and write a hero's journey, where you're the hero. How many of you did that? Later tonight, I'm curious to hear what that's going to sound like. I'm curious if there's been any, what that experience was like for you. Under the um, early experiences piece, uh, Warren often visited his father's stock brokerage uh, shop as a child and chalked in the stock prices on the blackboard in the office. At 11 years old, he made his first investment buying three shares of City Service Preferred at $38 a share. The stock quickly dropped to $27 a share, but Buffett held on tenaciously until they reached $40 a share. He sold the shares at a small profit, but regretted the decision when City's Service shot up to nearly $200 a share. He later cited this experience as an early lesson in patience and investing and what is Warren Buffett known for his investing strategy? He's a buy-and-hold kind of guy. He's the guy who does not quick and do quick flips He just buys it and then lets it ride and watches it grow and 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 grow until 73 billion dollars Humility That's Warren Buffett's house. $73 billion the guy's worth, and he lives in the same house that he bought in 1958 for $31,000. Isn't that wonderful? That just makes me like the guy even more. He's recently widowed, but that's his house. Have you seen Bill Gates' house? I'd try to find a picture of it. <laughs> yeah. They're now tracking my computer because uh, I was trying to find images of his house. Um, man, uh, 50,000 square feet, something like that. It's, it's in the millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. It's awesome. This is, this is humility as you're going through the change. You're allowed to say, I don't have to be flashy. I don't have to make a, I don't have to get everyone's attention from this. I'm going to allow this humility to shape me. Because when you do that, that's a longer lasting value. And then finally, this stinks. Rejection is normal? Dang it. Rejection is normal. Mr. $73 billion Warren Buffett was rejected from Harvard Business School. Imagine that guy looking through his entrance exam going, nope. That stinks. He got a master's in economics from Columbia instead. We're going to talk about that a little bit more. But rejection, I'm going to say that one again. As you guys are challenging your limiting beliefs, as you're trying to change yourselves, as you're trying to become a different human being, you will not get it right the first time. Don't expect it to. So, when, you, when, it, when it screws up, when it messes up, instead of going, see, dang it, I told you so. I suck at this. Why am I even trying? I'm just going to go back to where I was. You got to go, all right, excellent. Paul said I'm going to struggle and fail. Check. Got that one off. The bad news is, you're going to get that check mark again and again and again. Now, the trick is, to learn to make different mistakes every time. Try not to make the same ones. Okay, that's just kind of repeating. But if you can make more and more mistakes as fast as humanly possible, that's when you grow really, really quick. So that's really fun if you can say, man, I screwed up. Let me put it on Facebook. Here's what I messed up today. And here's what I learned. My... Um, My daughter recently was applying for a different job, and so I was helping her with a cover letter last week or whenever it was. And we wrote wrote a nice cover letter on there, and at the bottom of the cover letter, we said, "Here's here's three mistakes I've made that your company will not have to pay for. And wrote down three mistakes, and here's what I learned. She got a call, she got an interview, you know how hard that is to do nowadays by the way when they're getting a lot a lot of interviews or a lot of uh, resumes coming in it stands out it's fantastic so rejection is normal failure is normal that making sense everyone tracking with that there is no myth of the giftedness I do believe there are bents okay um, I'm not wired for numbers, and I could learn how to do accounting if I really struggled and worked at it and tried. I probably will never ever become a Warren Buffett kind of numbers guy. Just it probably never would happen. I'm not bent in that way. I have bent in other way, but I could learn it much, much, much better than I know it now. I just don't have the desire to learn that. And there's a lot of other. In fact, last year. You know how Facebook puts up these little, last year you posted this, and last year you were doing this. This year, last time, last year this time, I was learning Spanish. And this little Spanish app, um, Duolingo, I think it's called. And it was great. It was telling me I was becoming 6% fluent, 7% fluent, 8% fluent. I got to 12% fluent in Spanish, (laughs) whatever that means. And then I realized... I have no Spanish speaking friends I have no context to use Spanish Um, and there's about six other things I'd rather be doing instead and learning so I just made a conscious decision again I could have kept learning it I really could have I wanted to learn it because when I went through high school I cheated my way through two years of Spanish blatantly uh, unashamedly cheated my way through Spanish I regret it I wish I would have known Spanish better But not anymore I got more things to learn now so you get to pick and choose where you get to spend your limited time and energy but it's the message you hear the message I could learn Spanish if I wanted to say no to other things I could learn accounting if I wanted to say no to learning Spanish between Spanish and accounting I'm not sure which one's better Um, I could learn a thousand different things but I have to be selective in what I spend my limited time and energy on it's the message that says I can't learn it I can never learn Spanish I Just I never could do it again. You probably could learn it. You might not be as as fluent or as um, Natural at, at it as someone who has a propensity towards languages. Does that make sense? They want tracking with me there. I want you to be, be aware of the the can't message all right number two in the three ways that we Change and we learn is we have to learn to admit that we are wrong Technically, it's the internal messages that are wrong. It's not a shaming statement that says you're wrong. You're bad It's not that the internal messages are wrong. Here's what I mean by that and this is actually kind of uh, frustrating and difficult When we're conflicted when we have to challenge limiting beliefs it actually creates some dissonance within us because on the one hand we're going I'm repeating this statement over and over and over again. I, I'm not very good at this thing. I'm not very good at this thing. I'm convinced that I'm not very good at this thing. I've been told my whole life I'm not very good at this thing. That actually feels comfortable. That message has a deeply, well, deeply um, dug rut right through my brain, and it's easy to stay in that path, and it feels comfortable because it's familiar. And then someone says, you actually might be smart enough to learn this thing. At that point, I have to make a decision. I have to either go, nah, uh and I'm going to te- defend it to my death that I am right, and I suck at learning this thing, and you can't convince me. Or at some point, I have to go, stink. I have to admit it, but I'm wrong. This belief that is familiar and comfortable with me, I'm wrong about that. I can't defend it anymore. I have to give that up. And I've been wrong for the last 20, 30, 50 years. I have to let that go. And how many of us, again, love being wrong? We just sign up for that and go, yes, please, I can't wait to be wrong all the time. We hate that. But there has to be, again, that that humbling of our hearts, humbling of our spirits that go, I'm willing to let this thing go, this thing that's kept me safe, this thing that's kept me protected, I'm going to let it go. Even if that makes me look foolish, dumb, stupid, scared, all those kinds of things. We're conflicted when we have to be wrong. Yes, ma'am. That is a wonderful skill to have learned. I wish, Nikki, that I was as uh, comfortable with being wrong as you. I like to admit that I have some things to learn as well, but my ego gets in the way sometimes. Hopefully I'm not the only one here. Someone nod just to make me feel, okay? My ego tries to, tries to keep me safe and, and not at least save face, at least hide it when I'm wrong. Okay, I screwed up. Let's see if I can just make that as invisible as possible and make sure nobody sees that and yet what's ironic what's really kind of funny is we are drawn to people when they put their mistakes out there and they still accept themselves it's like oh goodness I'm not the only one again that's why I love that how I built this podcast because here's guys who are making a lot of money or who are really successful or who are changing the world and they're going yeah I had no clue what I was doing and I made this huge mistake over here, and it cost me lots and lots of money or lots and lots of time or, or lost our friendship or a relationship out of this, I, I sit back at that and go, when I'm trying things, oh, good. The big dogs do it. I'm allowed to do it, too. That's just wonderful. That's just wonderful. There's a, um, a process, a process that we go through and actually, I have it here, but I'm gonna hold on. I'm gonna p- give it to you later, which I think is gonna be a better spot for it. Uh, da, 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 da. Questions at all so far in all of this? it making sense, tracking? Now, I'm assuming, I'm guessing, that some of this stuff isn't new information. This, this model of you have to try really, really hard, you have to put in lots and lots of hours, you have to struggle, you have to challenge the negative talk. All of that has been espoused by lots and lots of other people before me. It's the third element which makes it all come together. And that third element is the main thing we're talking about this week. And that third element is you have to find the guide. You have to find another human being that you can borrow from. Again, we need strangers on our sides who do not have preconceived opinions or limiting attitudes about us. If you want to change the fastest, let's find somebody. Let's break it down a little bit. We need to have strangers. Why do you think we need to have strangers? Why can't we have a really good friend or... Uh, a family member. Yes. Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Watch. Hey, guess what? I think, hello, we, we tested it and the OctaMic is working. So you get to be the inaugural. You have to talk between the eyes this time. Between the eyes.
1: <laughs> now I forgot the
3: question. <laughs> I don't like microphones, no. No, seriously. Um, why can't it be a good friend? Because they, they do have preconceived ideas. They know our history, they know our background,
4: and they're
2: emotionally involved. Yes, they're emotionally involved. That's very, very true. You gotta have a fresh perspective. A lot of people are looking at me this mic going, what in the world are you thinking? Why do you have an octopus? I told the story last week, so if you weren't here, there's a story behind this. You have to have that fresh pair of eyes you have to have that fresh perspective you got to have someone who hasn't bought into your story the skewed story does that make sense has to be strangers um, I actually am a huge fan of the master and apprentice model a lot of people doing the um, the mentor thing mentor things are are great I think mentors are fantastic you gotta have those people who come alongside you I actually love the concept of a master and apprentice model better I was gonna do kind of like the knight and, and squire model as well that's been kind of done but it's the a, a an idea of a master and apprentice is you actually go and you spend times learning a specific skill with them you actually leave your home And you go and you live with this person to be um, immersed into this new skill into this new uh, idea again back to the Spanish thing if I could have picked up and moved to Spain or moved to Mexico or moved to whatever Latin America country I want to pick or whatever version of Spanish I want to learn I would have learned it much much faster because if I got to buy dinner I better learn the Spanish word for dinner right I got to figure out how to put a roof over my head immersion getting yourselves into the culture always will change faster and faster it's a proven method over and over and over again it works really really good um, <clears throat> examples of guides guides are a very prominent literary tool that has been used you familiar with the guide in literary um, anyone know this guy What's his name? Yoda. Who was the hero of Star Wars, the, the original stuff back from the 70s? Don't get started with the bad series. I don't care. But the original, the original Star Wars movie, who was the hero? Luke Skywalker. But Luke Skywalker was lost until he found who? Yoda shows up. Let me for you, show you the force. Will I? Whatever he does, right. His job wasn't to save the universe or to fight Darth Vader. His job was to equip the guy who's going to take care of that. I'm going to show you how to do this. Fantastic. Um, next one. Who's that? Newer movie. Come on, anyone? Say it loud. Hamish hey from Hunger Games. Yes, it's Woody Harrelson from Cheers. That's where most of us know him from. Hamich from, from Hunger Games. Again, who was the hero of of Hunger Games? Katniss, Everdeen. But this guy showed up and said, let me show you how the game is played so that you can succeed better at it. He came along and guided her. Next one. Who's that? <laughs> it's Gandalf, come on, everyone knows Gandalf who's the hero who's the hero of well which story do we want to pick he's in a bunch of them let's do Lord of the Rings Frodo Baggins Frodo I love the character of Samwise that's a whole nother speech right there but Frodo he had to bear the ring and Gandalf had to give him the, the direction the guide, one more who's that? Who is it? Dumbledore. Dumbledore. Who's the hero of the story? Harry Potter. Dumbledore. He came along and said, I'm going to teach you. I'm going to train you. I'm going to get you out of the situation you're in and I'm going to give you access to this entire new world that you didn't even know existed. And every single one of them, every single one of them had to leave their existing life behind. Luke Skywalker had his aunt and uncle killed and he went off to the um, wherever Yoda lived. <laughs> Dagobah, I knew someone would help me out, okay? Katniss had to leave, and she had to go uh, to the training facility and have a uh, Hamish follower, right? Um, Harry Potter, he couldn't live with the Dursleys anymore. He went off to Hogwarts, which is actually one of the things that makes the story so attractive because here's a, here's a protagonist who literally escapes his tragic life how many want to sign up for that how many of you want someone like Hagrid to knock on your door and go guess what you're a wizard Harry you're much better than you thought you were and I'm gonna take you to this wonderful magical world Man, I'd sign up to go to Diagon Alley that'd be fun how many have never read Harry Potter I just wanna make sure I'm not doing too many spoiler alerts K <laughs> I'll be careful well worth the read. Uh, uh, what was the last guy? What's his name? Uh, Gandalf. Frodo couldn't stay in the shire. He had to leave. Do you hear? see a theme? The reason that these stories work and sell millions and millions of dollars in a, in a theater is because the story is true. We get drawn into the story and we want to live their lives. And yet these guys, Frodo didn't have to worry about losing weight and paying taxes and making sure um, that the store is running okay. And he, didn't, he, didn't have to, he had one job, one job only. Get the ring to Mordor, right? How many haven't seen the Lord of the Rings? I'm just, okay. Fewer numbers on that. That's better. I should do a spoiler alert kind of subtitle or thing for some of these. so I don't, I don't want to give them away, but he had to leave he had he had a central focus of i'm going to change this but i'm not going to change it alone i'm going to have other people around me why don't we do that in real life why do we try to hide why do we try to say i got to do this better by myself any guesses anyone have ideas why it's so hard to do that We would be embarrassed if we admitted that we needed help. That's a huge one. So was so a hand back here. I'm just false pride. Say it again in the, in the octopus, please. False pride. false pride. Anyone else? False pride's true. Yes. Again, the octopus is so that, so that the recording can pick up on some of this. Other people are too busy. Other people. The mic, the octopus isn't working right now. Other people are too busy. Oh, that's a huge one, huge one, right? I don't want to be a burden. Or, I do want to be a burden, but no one's available right now. And so I'm lonely. I hear that all the time. People going, I'm desperate to change. I would love to be able to change, but no one no one has the time. Chelsea, is this, in there it goes, okay.
3: Our individualized society pressures us to accomplish things on our own.
2: Well, there's a big commentary on society, (laughs) which is accurate and scary. Uh, American individualism, right? The Lone Ranger mentality gets in the way. It's hard. And that's why we stay stuck. That's why our limiting beliefs take over our lives. Let's change it. Can we change it? Can we just do something radically different this? these seven weeks, let's do something totally and completely different. Who are other guides? Those are just four I picked. Any other, other guides and movies come to mind? I, I just didn't think of any others. Just shout them out. The who? The Good Witch. Glinda. Glinda? Is that her name? Glinda, the Good Witch. Yes. Follow the Yellow Brick Road. That gets you to where you need to go she had to leave Kansas anyone else just any other guides so, again Merlin oh, huge character yes in all of the King Arthur lore Merlin <laughs> very accurate what was Tinkerbell's job Besides flitter around and annoy people. Say it again? To guide people to Neverland. She's the gal who had the magic fairy dust. You know, grabs her and shakes her on the kids and they float up and away they go. Her whole purpose in, 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 the, in, the, in the story version of it um, is, is that transition character. We gotta get, some way we gotta get them from, from point A to point B. Let's invent someone with wings called Tinkerbell. Give me one more. Just There's lots of them. Who? Morpheus. Morpheus. Oh. <laughs> Morpheus. Red Red or blue, right? Which pill are you going to take? Mr. Miyagi. Come on. Wax on, wax off. They get stuck in our head. We love them. We love them. It's the best. Let's find a Mr. Miyagi. How about that? Let's find a Morpheus. Let's find a Tinkerbell. This, oh, man. It's going to be super, super good. Oh, that's my favorite. Who's that? Leo McGarry from West Wing. My favorite series. Just love it. He's not the president. He's the what? Chief of Staff. But he's the guy who's always, always guiding or consulting with the president of the United States. Now again, I'm not worrying about uh, uh, fictitious or realistic or the character. He viciously loves his people, but he takes no crap from anybody. It's awesome. Leo McGarry. When he died, uh, in real life, the actor died, John Spencer died. It was, it was tragic, and they had to work the story around him. There's a great story around that, but we'll do that later. Guides help you create new associations. That is their job. Guides create new associations because, why is that? Because it is much more difficult to remove negative associations and much easier to add new associations. I always use the example, I need you to forget how to tie your shoes. Just stop. Don't re- don't remember how to tie your shoes. How's that that's never going to work, is it? We'll always remember how to tie our shoes. We have muscle memory around that. It's a lot easier to say, here's a new way to tie your shoes. You can do it this way and this way and this way, and now you can choose which version you want to use. And the more you use a new version, and the less you use an old version, the more this becomes muscle memory, and you can do it faster and faster and faster. But you probably will never forget the old, the old way to do it. I talk about two radios in my office. One radio over here is the one that's playing the the scripts from childhood, and it's on a station I don't like. It's really bad music. It's really bad messages and there's another radio over here that I finally got tuned in and dialed into some really good stuff. I like the music, I like the messages, I like the, the programming they have on it. On really, really good days, the new radio station is turned up, the volume's pretty loud, and the old radio's turned down. On bad days, it's just the opposite. The old station's turned up, and the new one's turned down, and I hear the old messages playing a lot. I don't actually know if there is an off switch on the old radio, in fact, I would argue there is no off switch. It's only a volume, because we don't ever forget. We can't ever unlearn those dangerous or painful messages. It's always a balancing act between which message are we hearing more and more. And we can. We actually have control over which radio we're turning up and which ones we're turning down. We're going to talk about how to do some of that later tonight. But um, it's much, much easier to add a new association than it is to remove a negative association that's why we need the other person who says i got a new way to tie shoes have you ever tried it this way it's like huh i only thought there was one way to tie shoes with the advent of youtube i found out i have been tying my shoes backwards my entire life there's actually a right and wrong way to tie sho- i didn't know that but whenever i tie my shoes the loopy kind of flips up and it always gets in the way is always untying I didn't know that, but if you actually fold it over the other way, it lays down nice and flat and your shoes never come untied. Thank you, YouTube. But I still tie my shoes the old way because it's easier. (laughs) But I know there's a different way to do it now. I just, again, wear flip-flops or I don't care or whatever that is. Um, Anyone know who that guy is? Talking about guides, anyone know who he is? And if you do, I'm gonna be really impressed. His name is Benjamin Graham. Benjamin Graham wrote a book called The Intelligent Investor in 1949. It is the book that influenced Warren Buffett the most, so much so that when Warren Buffett enrolled at Columbia Business School just to study under this guy. Warren Buffett, $73 billion I Learned the hard way. I'm not gifted at it. I just practice a practice had a guide He had a guide Can you imagine being that guy going man this guy turned out? Okay, A like student not bad 73 billion dollars if Warren Buffett needs a guide who are we to say we can do it on our own my goodness Let's not do this by ourselves anymore and then lastly when it comes to finding a guide, we have to surrender to the guide. What in the world does that mean? Why do we have to surrender to the guide? I want to show you a clip. This is a spoiler alert. Sorry, it's near the end of the movie, so <clears throat> if you haven't seen this movie and you want to see it, fair warning. This is from A Beautiful Mind. Okay. Russell Crowe, a um, um, a little bit of a uh, quick backstory for those who haven't seen the movie, uh, Russell Crowe's character is named John Nash. He is an, econo- he's an economist, uh, mathematician, but he has schizophrenia, and he did not know he had schizophrenia, and he experiences auditory and visual hallucinations. He sees people that aren't actually there, and he's seen them his entire life. And this is the story of him coming to terms with what do you do with that. And there's so many parallels and crossovers and models that we have to take. And the the one I want you to walk away with is is you have to surrender to the guide. And I'll show you what that looks like after we watch this clip. You ready? Let's see what happens. Yes, it works. I'm going to walk you through some of this. John Nash as the umbrella. The little girl, the guy behind him. So her. John? And him. And you can't ignore me forever. Turn it up a little bit, Chelsea.
5: Charles, you've been a very good friend to
2: me. The best. I won't talk to you again. He's a hallucination. He doesn't exist. I just can't. Can you imagine that? They are as real to him as you and I are in this room. Goodbye. Remember that moment. Remember what he just said and did. There's the third character who doesn't exist. He's a hallucination. That guy's real.
5: I was wondering if I might audit your course.
3: It's um, it's an honor, Professor Nash.
5: Is something wrong? This will be my first class. Good morning. Evie, you your minds. Work, John. You're just humiliating yourself.
2: It's pathetic. You are being pathetic. I'm ashamed of you. Does that sound like limiting voices that some of you carry around? It's huge. Except he just sees them. Watch the smile on his face, right there. And he gets up, he erases it all. I'll come back to that in a minute. trying to get his attention, his old messages, his old scripts.
5: I was thinking that I might teach.
4: A classroom with 50 students can be daunting for anyone.
5: John, besides, you're a terrible teacher. (laughs) I'm an acquired taste, Martin. I was hoping there still might be something I could contribute.
4: What about the, um, well, you know,
5: gone. Maybe they never will be. But I've gotten used to ignoring them and I think as a result they've kind of given up on me. I think that's what it's like with all our dreams and our nightmares, Martin. We've got to keep feeding them for them to stay alive. Well, John, they, they haunt you, though. Well, they're my past, Martin. Everybody's haunted by their past. <clears throat> well,
4: Goodbye, John. I'll talk to the department.
2: Maybe in the spring. Here's the important part. Watch this. This is brilliant. Really
6: Goodbye.
2: Have a nice day. Goodbye.
6: Papers in hand, Mr. Byron. Professor Nash. Can you see him?
0: Yeah.
5: Are you sure? I'm <laughs> positive. It's within your vision?
0: <laughs> Good.
5: Forgive me. I'm just always suspicious of new people. See you next week, See you next week. So now that I know that you're real, who are you, and what can I do for you? Professor, my name is Thomas King. Thomas King. Mm-hmm. And I'm here to tell you that you're being considered for the Nobel Prize.
2: We could spend the whole night taking apart that clip, but it is so elegant. Can you imagine both how disturbing? Schizophrenia is an incredibly disruptive um, experience for those who have it, but in a way it's almost refreshing because you can see and hear this person outside of you who is giving you these negative voices. You're pathetic, John. It's never going to work. You can't ignore me. Having those people follow you. Your entire life and again the guy asks them are are they still here do you still follow them and he looks over and there they are walking along with them and he goes yep they're still here that radio never got turned off they're still here he can still still aware of them but he's learned to number one accept that they are there and then number two learn coping mechanisms what was his coping mechanism it is it's it's just so fantastic what was his coping mechanism when, in the hallway, someone he's never met shows up before, and he knows he has a propensity of making up people or, or seeing people that don't that other people don't ex- that other people can't see? What was his strategy? What did he do? He asks someone who knows they're real. Can can you see him too? Yeah, I can see. He's standing there. He's within your field of vision. Yep. All right, thank you very much. She was the guide. The gal in the red uh, red sweater for 30 seconds was the guide because he knew he could not trust his own senses. He understands his flaws. He understands his weaknesses. He understands his struggles, and he's come up with an elegant coping strategy, which he says, I have to trust someone else's perception more than my own. I have to surrender to the guide. And when that person says... Yes, that person's real. Wonderful. I'm John Nash. It's nice to meet you. How can I help you? Isn't it elegant? Isn't it beautiful? He doesn't try to talk himself out of it. He came up with a strategy, and he says, I'm going to trust someone else's perception to get me through this moment. The scene with the huge chalkboard with all the writing on it and the guy in the black hat played by Ed Harris there, um, he was—that uh, was part of his psychosis that was happening—and he would get the letters, and he ended up in this old um, house, and and he had papers all over the walls of formulas and written out because he was decoding uh, 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 codes that didn't exist in the newspapers. And again, it was part of his psychosis um, that he was uh, preventing war and something else like that. And the the character of Ed Harris and the black hat there got him for just a minute. And he had kind of reverted back to the old messages and he was filling up chalkboard after chalkboard after chalkboard of kind of the old strategies and he had, he had kind of gotten, gotten away from him for a second. And then Ed Harris showed up there and kind of looked at him like, yep, gotcha, I win. And the minute that happened, he goes, wait a second, I am not gonna listen to this because I know that it's detrimental, I know it's not real, and he starts erasing all of it even though for someone who's having that kind of psychosis and that break with reality, that's actually highly comforting, but it gets repetitive. He had to say, I'm going to give up what makes me comfortable. Remember the end of last week? I'm going to give up what makes me comfortable because I know it's detrimental to me. And he found a guide. His wife, who we didn't see very much here, his wife's fantastic in this movie. Again, well worth worth watching. Old movie called A Beautiful Mind. That's what I want us to find because number one, we have to admit to ourselves, I got these messages playing. I got these scripts playing. I'm not ignoring them anymore. I'm going to be really, really clear about what they are. Here they are. Now I got to find someone else who I'm going to trust. I'm going to surrender to them and I'm going to say, tell me what to do. You're better at this than I am. Please walk me through something different and I'll do whatever you tell me because how many of us well we've seen that in lots and lots of movies um, Luke Skywalker says Yoda I don't want to do what you say and I'm gonna go off and do whatever I need to do and that doesn't turn out so good does it Frodo same thing uh, all the characters at some point don't listen to the guide and it backfires on them and they have to come back and go I was wrong you were right I was stupid well, how do I fix this and they go back and they let the guide direct them shape them move them <sighs> things to keep in mind the guide has your best interest in mind they're not doing this to play with you and go <laughs> watch this I'm gonna make this guy dance like a puppet on a string I'm not gonna do this to be manipulative I'm gonna do this because I have their best interest in mind and yes it's, I'm gonna push them I'm gonna make them uncomfortable i got to make Frodo carry the ring and it breaks my heart that he has to carry it. But he's the only one strong enough to do it. Because shire folk have strength about them, which I'm surprised by. And now my heart is broken, but I'm going to ask him to do it because he can do it. And I know that he's going to make it through. By the way, we always need a Samwise somewhere in there to go, Mr. Frodo, no! Near the end there where he, you know... Again, for those who haven't seen it, I won't give it away. Mr. Frodo. Sam, I've got to do this alone as he's on the boat sailing across the thing. I've got to do this alone. I know you do, Mr. Frodo, and I'm coming with you. Good movies. Okay. Here's the other thing that kind of plays into some of this. Um, They're going to ask you to do uncomfortable things. We covered that. Um, You have to understand they have a different perspective uh, and more information than you. And they will not always give you that information. I always think about it kind of the burning building. You're in the building and it's burning down and the fireman is on the ladder outside your third story window and you're going, I think you have my best interest in mind, but I'm not actually sure. Can you give me kind of, what's your training? How, how, how many years have you been doing this? Um, who made the ladder that you're standing on and how well was it tested? And it hold both of our weights um, if you start questioning in those moments there's sometimes when the guide says get out of the building get on the ladder shut up just do what I say and I need you to trust me again because they have your best interest in mind but they don't have time to explain it it would be detrimental we it, we have to move into a level of trust to get to get progress for constantly second-guessing and challenging them we don't get very far all right man i'm doing great on time this is exactly what i was hoping for <sighs> connections from last week this is where you get to um talk into the octopus um curious for those who did the assignment where you got to write both stories or if you made any connections if if some of this foundational information we started with in um, some of the worksheets resonated in some way and you're able to understand, oh, this guy said this and this is where that doubt started to get implanted and here's how it's kind of grown. I'm Curious if anyone would be willing to share some of those stories and then we're going to take those, that foundational exercises and we're going to take it to the next level today and then this is where we're going to go afterwards. But I'm curious if anyone made any connections from last week that you'd be willing to share with the group. And here's, here's why I want you to share and then you get to talk. Um, <clears throat> research has shown that, it, that of all forms of human motivation, the most effective one is progress. Why? Because a small concrete win creates momentum and affirms our faith in our further success. In his 1968 Harvard Business Review article entitled, One More Time, How Do You Motivate Employees? One of the most popular Harvard Business Review articles of all time, Frederick Herzberg, reveals research showing that the two primary internal motivators for people are achievement and recognition of achievement we want to celebrate in your wins. so if you just connected any dots number one I want you to enjoy that that small win and then we want to enjoy it with you okay research based that's why we're doing this so anyone want to share anything they connected with one octopus no waiting <clears throat> We'll let you start off, Nikki, here.
0: Oh, it's so cute. You like him?
2: Talk between the eyes, please. Between yes. There you go. Can you hear
0: Oh, I can even hear me. Yay. So it happened over nine years ago. I was in such a horrible car accident. I think. Y'all might know this by now, because it's kind of a big deal, I guess. I was either driving up or downhill on a very windy road, going around the corner, missed about three quarters of it, wound up off the road, really slammed into a tree, went to the hospital, they removed part of the frontal lobe of my skull. I was told my brain got huge, so I had a lot of info up there. But it was through all that I had to relearn every single tiny little stupid. It gets stupid once you know you've done it all before. Yeah. I had to learn it all over again. Yeah. And that's why, Go on. sorry, that's why I like to know that I've done something wrong because I then get to be shown what to do. That's right. So I now know how to walk. Yeah. I know how to write. I know how to talk. Obviously. Yeah. And I know how to graduate high school. And I know how to play bass guitar. And I know how to cook awesome food. So, learning and realizing you're kind of stupid at some things and learning from that is a wonderful thing. I mean, I don't know. I'm. I'm thankful for it, and I want you all to be thankful for it, too. I want you all to realize that being disabled in any sort of way, you can still go out and do so many things. Just put your mind to it. It's happened. It's done. Move forward. And I have, and I still am.
2: Thanks, Nikki. Hi, it's nice to see you. Oh. Yes. Big, beautiful. Ooh, what's his name? Emery. Emery? hmm. Emery. Thanks for being here, buddy. He's my retired guy, job Yes. You can hang out here anytime.
0: I think he's in, in the aisle because he wants
2: to get noticed. Yes, and he's doing <laughs> a great job. He's doing a great job. Anyone else make some connections? You learned where some of those those limiting beliefs came from, or after you did that assignment of rewriting your story, focusing on either the negative or positive, you had a a different understanding of your story that you'd be willing to share. Yes, sir.
4: In terms of the tragedy side, I was thinking that
2: talking to an octopus. Yes, it's weird. (laughs) I'm getting used to that the tragedy was often my parents doing it was a situation of my family and had nothing really to do with me
5: and much of the tragedy side it was just victimhood remembering a weird childhood
2: yeah and when you rewrote it what happened (coughs) that stuff was all just background I'm sorry that stuff was all just background it was just background and it's not the full story anymore absolutely very nice anyone else
3: I guess piggybacking off of the victim mentality uh, realizing that my tragedy story had a lot to do with this happened to me and therefore I'm not good enough this happened to me and therefore I'm not good enough. Um, And then when I wrote the victory story, it was, this happened to me, and I overcame it and learned this, and that was fantastic, and I can carry that forward, and now um, there's all this hope, and yeah, so.
2: Very nice, very nice. That victim script can become a very prominent script for a lot of people, especially if you've experienced some pretty unpleasant stuff growing up. Anyone else? Thank you, sir. Come um,
6: through. Oh, eyes. I uh, <laughs> where the eyes are. Uh, so um, I was thinking about um, kind of my childhood, and there was a lot of uncertainty in it. You know, like yeah. I didn't know, I don't know when dad's gonna come home after drinking. I don't know when mom's gonna throw a temper tantrum. things like that, so there was a lot of chaos. Like I didn't know what it was gonna be. Um, and so I found that, um, like, It's a kind of a weird, backward sort of thing, like, I know that there's going to be uncertainty, so now when there is uncertainty in my life, it's like, why am I so overwhelmed by the uncertainty? Because I've come up in it all this time. It's kind of a, it's like I've thrived in it before, because when I wrote down everything that I've done, where I've gotten to, from where I am, from doing all that, coming from all that uncertainty, it's good to see there's uncertainty maybe now, but it's going to be okay because I've done it before.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I tell that to people all the time, is you've actually never gotten stuck by anything. You might have had a really, really horrible childhood, but you are not in that home anymore. You, you've grown up, you've gone years out of that. It actually hasn't killed you. It hasn't actually stopped you. You, you move out of it. And yet internally we still repeat it or we carry it with us and we don't recognize, wait a second, wow, I actually am in a different place and I'm allowed to enjoy this different place. This is nice. This is nice. Anyone else? Just, all right, oops. Might have broke the church. Sorry about that. Ready? Catch.
5: Um. So is this working? Yes. Okay. Um, so the first time, what well the first part of it, I, I guess the realization was that I um, went through most of my life without really having much of a sense of self. Yeah. A feeling that I was never entitled to have a self. Yeah. Or be someone. Be. Um, that's hard for people to understand. But anyway. Um, the second part of it I wrote. Well, let me go back to the first part. <laughs> the thing that I used to do, and I still do it, is I withdraw from situations and from people. And of course, you never really succeed in anything when you're withdrawing, when you're dropping out, when you're disconnecting, when you're disassoci- uh, dissociating, spacing out. Yeah. So my life has not been a big success in that sense. It's mm. been, you know, you could say it was a tragedy. But yeah. on the other hand, the second part, I, um, I never did give up completely. I just kept trying. And even though I made mistake after mistake, very, very, very bad decisions along the way, um, I'm still growing, and I'm still learning, and I'm still here. and I have three daughters who are amazing and doing very very well and I got to see them grow up so I didn't quit completely and that was that was a kind of a heroic
2: thing for me very nice thank you so much anyone else I got time for one more and then we're going to go to the next part of this journey um I think it's uh,
4: as as I um um get older and mature I think that it's just realizing your weaknesses and that there are certain things that you're just not going to max out or overcome and you and you learn to accept that and then you just learn to walk in grace yeah and so the the the, um the more i go on in life the more i realize that um grace is that much more significant in my life and that um I'm never going to attain this certain level in my brain that I want to attain, yeah. because it's just humanly impossible for me. Mm. Uh, why other people around me seem to attain it very easily. Mm. You know, for me, I think it's just, I don't know, it's like paws thrown in the flesh or something, that mm. this, this is a weakness that, for whatever reason, <clears> is put into y- the DNA of you, and you have to accept it, uh, a- and then find c- you know, ways to cope with that.
2: Mm all right here's what i want to do because i want to i want to put some teeth i want to put some practicality into the how portion of changing so if i could can i have a couple folks be willing to take one side thank you so very much sir appreciate it i'll let you take that half of the room i'll let you take this half of the room And um, for those who need writing utensils, we have a plethora of, anyone want to pass out the pins? just like hot peanuts at a ball game? Anyone need a pin? Thank you very much. There's more up here if we run out of those. Um, Here's where we're going to go with some of this. I'll wait for you guys to get that in your hands so you can follow along and then it'll make a little bit more sense very nice very good you got some already good 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 gosh he's cute (laughs) very good while these are being passed out handed out uh, questions anyone just have general questions I can answer before we kind of go to the next the application portion of the evening I'm sorry say again from last week do we have any leftover from last week I'm imagining Chelsea might be able to come up with any nope okay she's shaking her head no yes no Uh, there was some in the front row I didn't I didn't take them, so um, if you go to the website that I showed you up there, which is paulalmore.com to the podcast episode, you can actually download the PDF of last week's worksheet, so you can get it online in that way, which will be the same for this week, so if you take this home and it gets lost or your dog eats it or something um, you can download another copy of it once i get the episode posted it's usually posted by wednesday oftentimes thursday um, so keep checking back near the end of the week so you can have a copy of that if you want to listen to that or if you need again pdf versions of that worksheet you have the worksheet now Last week I had you write down what do you want. There's that dream, that, that goal, the here's what I want to have different in my life. And I'm actually asking you, having you write it down again because so many people go, I just wrote it down one time. But if you ask them, what do you actually want in, in life? It's like, mm, yeah, I think sort of maybe. I want you to get it so crystal clear you can quote it. Very first thing out of your mouth. I want to have this thing in this way by this time. So that I can enjoy this and this and this. I want it to be crystallized in your mind. So you have to write it again and again and again and again and again. That's the goal that you want. And then from there, you go into your beliefs. What limiting belief is keeping you from getting you what you want? That's the objection, that's that internal resistance that you feel. You have to get really clear and I want you to narrow it down last week we had lots of you stand up and kind of share some of those things I want you to get it down to one maybe two sentences of it is this belief it is this statement it is this again if we go back to that uh, John Nash uh, clip the guy yelling at him he's walking in you are pathetic that's a very clear objectionable statement I want you to get super, super clear on what that limiting belief is. Now, you might have about 15 of them. Pick one to work on. Again, you don't try to do all of them at the same time. We're gonna pick just one and see if you can get some traction under that one. And then if you can, then you wash, rinse, and repeat. You can do this for the next one, and the next one, and the next one. You can download 150 of these things from the the website And just do it again and again and again and again and again until you run out of limiting beliefs. They're just gone. You have nothing else left. So, what limiting belief is currently keeping you from getting you what you want? And then the behaviors what do I do or don't do because I have this limiting belief? So, here's what it kind of sounds like and looks like because there's always a belief, a behavior, and then a benefit. So, a belief is I'm never going to get a raise. That's just the belief. It's never going to happen. I'm never going to get a raise. So the behavior is you never ask for a raise. You never talk to your boss. You never bring it up. I worked with a lady a while back who uh, worked on average of two to three hours extra every day without any pay because she just had a lot to do at work But she was so scared to ask for a raise or to ask to just be fairly compensated for the hours she's been putting in. So, belief I'm never gonna get a raise. The behavior, you never ask for a raise. And what's the benefit? What would be the benefit of not asking for a raise? Because again, there's always a positive intent behind the limiting belief. How does it serve you? You won't get rejected absolutely what else i won't get fired fired. so i might as well just hang on to what i got i call that the breadcrumb philosophy i'm going to settle for breadcrumbs rather than ask for a full meal so i'm not going to get fired that's a good thing right that's a positive intent any other things not asking for a raise say again sometimes being a martyr hold on wait Just want you to clarify that a little bit more because that's that's helpful (laughs) it's just an octopus it's not gonna bite
3: being a martyr because um, you know poor me I have I'm doing all this extra work and nobody's recognizing me and you know my life is terrible and it's because of what you are not
2: doing And it actually reinforces the role you might have been placed in early on in childhood you're you're the scapegoat you're the odd man out you're the whatever so it reinforces that all of that is beneficial it keeps you safe right that's the benefit see how that works you get to clarify what the belief is what the behavior is and then what the benefit is then if you flip it over you get to do the new one okay The new one is instead of the old limiting belief what positive replacement belief would you like to have instead again that's the shoot for the moon that's the dream that's the uh, i'm allowed to actually say that out loud i didn't think i'm allowed to ask i would like to make more money oh my gosh i said that out loud i hope no one heard that i would like to make i would like to make more money i would like to make more money okay that's the belief i'm worthy of making more money how about that for a belief system new and better behavior what new thing do you want or need to try but find yourself scared worried or freaked out by what's the behavior you want to put into that what will it actually look like that's the tangible practical down and dirty measurable way to see if you can start to change and then what are your benefits if you were guaranteed to be able to do this new behavior tomorrow, guaranteed you could do it, how would it change your life? That's a huge, huge question. It be fun to play with and dream and answer. If I had more money, if I had more money, I could buy groceries. My gosh, that would be fun. I wouldn't just have to settle for whatever I could find. Groceries would be awesome. I would love to do that. I could buy a car instead of having to ride the bus. I could, I could, I could, I could. I could get health insurance. I could, I could. All these amazing benefits. All these ama- amazing benefits. Here's why I want you to take some time to clarify what the behavior is. And the behavior portion is very, very, very important. Because that is the thing you're going to ask the guide to help you with someone in this room I'm hoping is going to be able to help you with not just the belief but the behavior the behavior by doing the behavior it's going to actively challenge the belief at the same time so for instance um, we had someone last week who said uh, she was hesitant about writing and putting herself out there she could go uh, the belief system that she could have in there is I want I want to believe that I'm a very good writer and I have something to contribute to, uh, to people's lives to make them feel better. The behavior is I want to write a blog post or an article or whatever that is, one a week. And I want to have it be edited and clean and good and nice. That's now measurable. That's a task. That is, that is something very specific. And then if I could do that, the benefits are I start to, you know... Uh, get a readership I get a following I get whatever whatever okay there's lots of benefits to that if she were here she could go I need someone who's actually good at writing is there anyone in the room right now who says I think I got some skills at writing I enjoy writing and I would love to help someone learn how to write I see one hand right there that would be you would now get together and you could have conversations and you get to be the guide for a season in her life. How about that? Wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't that be nice? What are your thoughts? You wanna try this? This is the experiential portion of the thing. I can come and I can talk all day about changing limiting beliefs. The bad news is, is talking about them doesn't change any limiting beliefs. I was actually a little torn when I picked this topic because I knew that going in. Talking about limiting beliefs doesn't change limiting beliefs. Doing stuff changes limiting beliefs. So I want to create an invitation, and, an experiential kind of place, if you're willing. And again, not all of you are going to be ready to do this yet, but it's 836. Is there anyone who knows the specific behavior that they would like to get good at, but under that um, new behavior, new better behaviors thing. It says, um, I find myself scared, worried, or freaked out about Is there anyone in the room who's real clear about, I want to I get this skill set. I want to get this thing. Does anyone know what it? I want to not have seizures? All right. Hold on a second, Nikki. I'm actually going to come down here first. Would you be willing to come up here and chat with me for a second? Come on up here and we'll get the microphone. Tell everyone your name if you wouldn't mind.
3: Sure, octopus. Yes. (laughs) I'm Justine.
2: Hi, Justine. Hi. What is the thing that you would like to do?
3: I wrote it down. (laughs) Um, Have more meaningful two-sided relationships that are meaningful, motivating, and I want to have a positive impact on people's lives.
2: You want to have a positive impact on people's lives and you want to have, what was the first part again?
3: Meaningful relationships that
2: two-sided. Two-sided meaningful relationship.
3: Ships. Ships,
2: Plural, plural, not just one. So
3: like mentors and just be able to be vulnerable with the people that I come in contact with and represent myself.
2: Is there a context you would like that in? You want that at the grocery store and the car wash you want that everywhere?
3: With people that um, I respect and that inspire me.
2: With people that you respect and inspire you. Okay. Yeah. Um, in what context do you want the relationship with? It's still pretty broad. You hear the, I wanna have good relationships. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to narrow it down to a context and to a specific experience. <clears throat> How would you measure that?
6: Mm.
3: (laughs) great now i feel on the spot (laughs) next (laughs) (laughs) that's
2: how it works that's how it works thank you for being willing to go first by the way because that's tricky to do this first yeah remember that part that says we don't like to make mistakes in front of other people Mm -hmm. and we like to keep that hidden Mm -hmm. so come stand right here next to me if you wouldn't mind and we're just going to both be up here and we don't have to do this right the first time. Okay. And you're the very first time, so <laughs> you get extra grace. Is that all right?
1: Sure.
3: Grace is great.
2: <laughs> Anyone have any clarification for her on how she might be able to hone this down? So my question was: Is it, in, is it in to I mean, are there. Do you know of people
1: that you'd like to have relationships with, and it's a matter of just contacting them?
2: Whoa. Ooh. Keep going. Or,
1: yeah, I'm trying to understand like the context. Do you mean like a mentorship? Do you mean a friendship? What type of relationship? Is it
3: work-related? Probably more in the way of mentorship. So I shy away from people that I see in leadership positions because it scares me to be in relationship with them because I'm afraid of being rejected. Um, Although I feel like um, I'd be good in a support position to be able to motivate someone and also to be influential. I guess I, yeah.
2: So, do you have someone in mind who is someone in a leadership position?
3: (laughs) You scare the crap out of me. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, my name's Justine. (laughs) Nice to meet you. (laughs)
2: Hi, Justine. I'm Paul.
3: (laughs) So, this was a conversation we had last week.
2: (laughs) you want to tell them a little bit about that conversation, if you— Nope. Okay? (laughs) (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Um,
3: So, I came up to him after he presented last week, and I sat down— Oh, I waited for him to be done talking to somebody else, and he came over, and he actually sat down with me, and I said, Hi, I really don't want to introduce myself to you, but I'm going to anyways. My name's yeah. Justine.
0: Yeah.
3: <laughs> and then I rattled off um, a lot of my um, experiences this past year and how I've been going through a lot of growth and how I really want to pursue going into counseling and um, me being a counselor, want to go back to school for it. And a lot of the things that have happened in my life this year to um, grow and develop. Um, <laughs>
2: <laughs> and so now you're standing up here next to me telling everyone this. How does that yeah. feel?
3: Um, I don't know if you can tell, but my knees are shaking. <laughs> and I'm shaking pretty hard. <laughs> you want
2: the stool? You can have the stool. Sure. <laughs> <clears throat> what made you risk coming up and talking to me last week as we sat down over there?
3: I went through a process this last week year called Heart Change and I actually just got done TAing for it. I love you Ksenia and Marty and <laughs> Martin. Um, we went through last, I went through in April and it really changed my perspective on life and the one takeaway that I took from it is if you do the same things you've always done, you're going to get the same results. So, i um, I've been starting to try and step out of my comfort zone in lots of different ways and this is one of those ways talking in front of each of you and also introducing myself to people that scare me and really inspire me and I know can motivate me to grow and aren't, uh, could potentially reject me and really hurt me.
2: What was the script going over in your head as you introduced yourself to my, uh, introduce me? introduced yourself to me last week over there. I'm not
3: good enough, and he's gonna reject me.
2: And what would that rejection look like? Would I have gone, yeah, right.
3: You said, oh, no, you would have said, oh, mm-hmm, very nice. You know, I'm actually really busy, it's really nice that you introduce yourself to me, but I gotta go.
2: Oh, so kind of give you the brush off, mm-hmm. try to get out of there. Mm-hmm. What happened? <laughs>
3: You were very loving and talked very sweetly and calmly with me. You were very patient as I feel like I talked for three years. (laughs) And then you asked me some very valid questions and had a meaningful conversation with me and invited me to continue talking to you.
2: Would it surprise you if I were to tell you that I actually remembered your name? Yes.
3: (laughs) Do you? What is it?
2: It's Justine.
3: Yes, it is. I guess I already said that, so.
2: (laughs) Would it surprise you to know that I wanted to remember it and I actually wrote it down so that I would remember it?
3: That does surprise me, and I'm actually choking back
2: tears. (laughs) Why do you think that surprises you?
3: Because I don't feel like I'm good enough. I don't feel like I matter.
2: Can I ask a couple more questions?
3: Absolutely. Do
2: you know where that script got started?
3: When I was really little. Um... I have never had a father figure, and um, I always felt like I was vying for my dad's attention. So, um, the only time he ever paid attention to me is if I accomplished something that was tangible. Never emotional, never my dreams or hopes. It was always if I really accomplished something like graduating from college or something.
2: And the fact that I don't know you, and I don't know what you've accomplished, and I don't know what you've succeeded or failed in, and yet I still Remembered your name. I wrote down your name and I Anticipated another conversation with you tonight (laughs) Does what to those scripts that were playing it
3: helps to silence them and gives me hope
2: Hold on one second. Okay. Does anyone notice what's going on inside as you are hearing her describe the connections and what one conversation sitting up here in this pew right here, what it cost her and what it did for her? I s- I'm watching some of you and it's stirring some stuff. You saw the microphone?
1: So I can completely relate to her, but for me, it's, it's kind of the opposite in that for me, Um, I don't have an issue with networking, and I've been very successful in my career. Uh, For me, it's relationships. So the same kind of radio plays in my mind that I'm not good enough, but it's from a romantic level. That if I see a guy I'm interested in, he'll be like, oh my gosh, you? No way. Yeah. So I can totally relate, but it's just in different context. Yeah. Can I clarify? I get really
3: anxious when I try to pursue relationship with people again who inspire me. So I'm good at networking mm-hmm. if it's not in um, an atmosphere that I'm really passionate about.
1: Mm. Yeah. yeah. And whereas for me, it's not an issue at all. Yeah. So I contact CEOs yeah. all the time that inspire me. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make me. I'm not fearful of that rejection. It's just. The dating aspect
2: the fact that she's sitting up there on that stool talking into that octopus in front of this group <laughs> sharing her <laughs> story does that stir anything inside of anyone right now as you watch that happen would you want to put words to that do you notice I'll take the microphone in.
4: Well, I just want to say it takes a lot of courage to, to do that
2: yeah it does
4: and, and uh, obviously you're motivated to change yeah to make
2: make changes yeah she got a jump on the homework and she actually put it into practice last week before I gave the assignment (laughs) which if I was her dad I'd go very well good here's some acknowledgement that's nicely done well done you're a good daughter or we can go I don't know anything you've done, and yet you still have inherent value and worth, and you're worthy of my time after a, a thing like this. You're worthy of my time in other contexts, just like every one of you are worthy of my time. And I don't, I'm, I'm not something special. I'm just the guy who comes in for seven weeks and shares some stuff. I want you to have relationships that are connected that you can walk. For longer and longer time frames, here. I'm honored that you get to practice with me. It's actually kind of fun, isn't it? In a throw up sort of way.
3: Wait, I don't
5: know if fun is how I describe this. (laughs) I just wanted to say it was such a blessing to my heart to. I know how difficult it is to become vulnerable. And, you know, you think of trust, and then, oh gosh vulnerability can can feel quite overwhelming the beautiful thing that I saw happen tonight was I saw Jesus step in the middle of that you know you were willing to say okay I'm scared not sure what to do but I'm gonna open my mouth and and it really um, it blessed me to see what happened God is good
2: Thank you so much. Your name? Victoria, thank you, Victoria. You wanna have another conversation when this this whole thing's done for a few minutes? Sure. Okay, (laughs) let's do that. Okay, am I done? You're done, you can go sit down. (laughs) Say thank you, Justine. (laughs) For Justine, it's, it's talking with someone that she feels uncomfortable around she's already started to do that she's now done that up here in front of everybody freaks us out it's, it lots again whatever your thing is you're doing it has potential of being that really really uncomfortable part this is what I want to start doing um, throughout the rest of the five weeks we have left over so we've done two so far five weeks I actually would like you to take the worksheets that you have Now and I want you to get real specific on the behavior. It has to be measurable. It has to be a specific task, skill, something you want to learn that is measurable and isn't huge. It isn't a giant step, okay? It is a, it's a small step that can be measurable in some way. And then what I'm going to invite you to do, what I'm going to ask you to do is, excuse me, we're going to see if, Some of you are willing to come up, and next week we're going to have two stools, and you're going to say, this is what I would like to do. This is the skill I want to learn. This is the measurable thing I want to do, and we're going to go, wonderful. Is there anyone in the room here that has some sort of skill in that? And we can start to make connections. You can get a guide who's, well, what's the whole point of this entire thing again? What's this phrase, the one thing I want you to walk away with today? Get someone on our side who doesn't have a preconceived opinion or limiting attitude about us. I want you to connect with that stranger and walk for a season as you learn something new and then try to actually come back and share what the progress has been. That's what we're going to spend some time doing. I'm going to add some more information in, but that's not going to be the majority of time from here on out because I actually can see Justine, as I sit up here and as we look at the people here, when you talk, you get a lot stronger reaction because you're the one who's becoming in a vulnerable place here. And I'm watching the tears from people who are going, holy crap, I don't think I could have done what she just did. And I can relate to her story, and that is inspiring and scary all at the same time. When you don't hear me talk, when you hear each other talk, that's when it's really fun to watch. I just get to facilitate it. Which is a pretty good way for me to spend an evening questions or thoughts about what we're trying to do specific measurable goals so take the thing the belief that you have and put it again the positive belief that you want it to be and it has to become an immeasurable th- measurable thing so I want to get better that's fairly general <laughs> I want to get better at I want to learn this one specific thing and again we're not gonna get them all but one one specific thing. Finally, lastly, and then I'll let you guys get out of here. Um, finding the guide. If you actually know who that person is already, you've seen that they have a skill set. You can write their name in. You'll figure out how to get connected with them. If you don't have any idea who that guide is, okay, come up here and go. This is what I want. I want to learn how to do this. Is anyone? Again, Corey. Corey, did I get it right from last week? Was willing to teach me video game stuff if I was willing to learn that. If I was wanting to learn Spanish, I'm sure. Does anyone know how to speak Spanish in here and could teach me if I wanted to learn Spanish? Is there anyone who's. Nikki, <laughs> my help. Anyone at all know Spanish in some sort? So, right here, if you are willing to be the guide, again, there's no obligation, but there's someone in the room who could teach me a second language if I wanted it. Finally, um, there's actually some guides, guidelines. Guide, guidelines. A little repetitive. Um, you can read through those, but when you are working with somebody, when you are learning something new, important things to remember like you never ever laugh at anyone else's dream. You don't do it. Your dream is your dream, their dream is their dream. Mistakes are normal, talked about that. Fear is expected. People grow best when they are safe but uncomfortable, direction and correction is encouraged. The guide's supposed to say, hey, get back on the path, you're a little off a sinner, let's get back over here, and they do that with your best interest in mind. Questions are beneficial if you don't know what to do. Some of you, by the way, curious, you willing to put a show of hands? Asking questions was dangerous or risky, and you've learned not to ask questions, you've learned the fake it till you make it strategy. Yeah. I was a master at that, and I hated it. That's the one thing it cost me the most. Questions are beneficial, and then finally, it's a relationship with a purpose, meaning this doesn't have to last forever. People come in and out of our lives. People are a guide for a season, and then they're done being the guide because they got you as far as they can go, and then you go on to the next person who's going to get you to the next place. It's a relationship with a purpose. Those are kind of the guidelines if you actually think you might want to become a guide or you are looking for a guide does that make sense how many of you are going I'm not so sure I'm buying into this this is freaking me out I thought this was just a Monday night thing where you show up and this guy's gonna talk and I take notes yeah got one thank you so much. <laughs> got two or three I got lots of hands you have a question? Sure. Hold on one second. Yes, you do. Okay.
3: No. Um, can a counselor be a guide?
2: Can a counselor? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Counselors can be a guide, truly. Um, and. I tell clients all the time, since I happen to be a counselor, that this is a relationship with a purpose. I'm in your life for just a season. I walk with you to get through a certain portion, and then I work myself out of a job. That's the number one thing i got to do is I don't want you to come see me the rest of your life. I don't. It's not because I don't like you, but it's because I want you to launch. I want you to go. I want you to be free. I want you to live your life. And I'm also not able to take people all the way through the journey. I just, I can't do it. I can take them a certain portion and then they gotta go try and then they get to find someone else and find someone else. And sometimes I get to have people come back and go, that thing you told me three years ago, what was it? Here it is again. Oh, that's right, thank you. And we get to course correct again. Counselors absolutely can be a guide. Absolutely. Pastors, pastors can be a guide, truly be a guide. Um, And, Friends can be a guide. You don't have to be total strangers. Friends can be a guide. Um, uh, This is more of a, I don't think we have friendships with people who are trying to teach us a specific skill. That's more of a a, a functional relationship rather than a a, um, mutually beneficial or mutually equitable relationship where where you're just contributing. So this is, again, task-oriented rather than rather than something else, all right? Any other questions, and then think about it. Risk, see what it feels like to find the guide. It works in every movie out there. (laughs) So it must be true. Let's pray real fast, and then we'll let you guys go home and work on some worksheets and dream and practice and potential and all those things father in heaven again you are a gracious loving heavenly father that you know us you know us our most innermost being you know how you've built us you know how you created us you know what the purpose is of our life lord i am confident that every single person here's main job is to bring you glory the everything that they do i pray that they will find the unique special and gifted ways that you have equipped and equipped them to do let them hear and see and know your voice and your hand and your guidance in the most unique ways possible this week may your word come alive to them and may you bring them comfort and peace and love thank you for being a gracious God, and in your holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. So say we all. Good night.
6: Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like more information, please visit allelmore.com.